0: manage my weight. And what I would do is I would bike into the office. I was working at Harper's Magazine at the time, and I would track that I had biked. And then I would have a little breakfast, and I would track what I had eaten. And you would just select from a menu. I would add foods, and I would research the calorie count on each food.
1: But there was more to Paul's homemade tracker than just calories and miles. His tracker was special.
0: So I'd come in, and I'd write, here's how I'm feeling, and I'd put a little picture in. And I made all the pictures black and white, and I made the whole thing look like an old receipt book from, like, the 20s. And I had a designer friend who totally got where I was going, and he was like, here, let me help you. And we made it really pretty. And so it would track up how much weight I was losing over the course of a month, and it would draw little charts. And sometimes you were up, and sometimes you were down, but a narrative was emerging, and there was kind of a book about me coming out of it. And that was really nice. I liked that part a lot.
1: Friends told him that data couldn't solve his problems. Fellow overweight folks told him he should just accept his body as it was.
0: I had to push all that out of my head and make something that made sense to me. And what actually made sense was track the calories and tell a little story about your day.
1: Paul figured out that he had to see his dieting story and that he had to rewrite what his body was and what it could be. It was like his own ultra personalized dieting mission control center. And it worked. He lost weight, like serious weight.
0: I went from someone where people were like kind of staring at me to somebody where like my friends would be, I don't even think you're fat anymore.
1: That is not where Paul's story ends, unfortunately. But before we get to his next chapter, let's take a minute to stop and look at the whole health tracking industry more broadly.
2: Right. Okay. So I'm Natasha Shull.
1: Natasha is a cultural anthropologist. She was a professor at MIT. Now she's at NYU.
2: And I've been working for the last few years on a book I'm calling Keeping Track, about self-tracking technology, its evolution, where it's going, and how this affects the state of self-regulation. Keeping Track, her
1: new book comes out later this year. But Natasha is also really well known for her previous research into how slot machines are designed to keep people coming back for more. And it is so interesting to hear how these two ideas about self-regulation and addiction relate.
2: There's so many ways in which we're using screen technology and interactive technology to regulate ourselves today. The regulation I was talking about in the book on addiction and technology with slot machines was a kind of regulating yourself away, escaping yourself. Yeah. But what I noticed with the rise of Fitbit and so many of these new tracking technologies was self-regulation in a different direction, Not so much escape, but more how to be in touch with the self, how to better manage the self. It's almost the opposite. Natasha says different types of
1: people use these tools in different ways. It's kind of like a spectrum. And the voice memos we got from you, dear listeners, and actually my own experience too, they really show just how wide that spectrum can be.
0: Being able to log and track and quantify every bit of what I was eating and what I was doing is the only way I've been able to lose weight before. I went from almost 300 pounds now to beneath 190. I've always been a bit of a gadget nerd and I like kind of gamifying my life and I I think that's what did it for me.
2: You've definitely seen a sort of mass jumping on the bandwagon of the idea of self-tracking, counting everything from steps to calories to sleep.
1: But I read a report that said that half of the people that buy these things give it up, and a third of them do it within the first six months that they have it. What
2: do you think happens when you get one of these things? Well, one interpretation you could make is that people are having success with these devices and gadgets and apps. And then they're putting them aside because they no longer need them. But people often find that they look at the data and they're, they're a little bored, a little disappointed. They don't really learn anything or they see the problem, but they're not really fixing it. And it's the technology is not helping them to fix it. Ignoring the reminders becomes the habit instead of the healthy behaviors becoming the habit. My fitness tracker vibrates to tell me I haven't moved in a long time and I don't even feel it
0: anymore.
1: I was hoping that I would finally get the answer of why my sleep quality is so poor, but I ended up not learning much at all apart from how deep my sleep was at any given day.
2: I can divide everyone who is disappointed with tracking technology into 2 categories.